Welcome to What the Focaccia. My name is Bettina Campolucci-Bordi from Bettina's Kitchen. I am a plant-based chef, a cookbook author, and I've got my hands stuck in many, many little pots. And my name's Nikki from Rebel Recipes, and I'm also a cookbook author, food blogger, food consultant. Uh, yeah, also do all sorts of things to do with food. And this is our brand new podcast, What the Focaccia, kindly brought to you by the organic retailer Abel & Cole, who are all about being sustainably minded and you can find out lots more on their website abelandcole.co.uk and they have kindly offered you our podcast listeners a brilliant offer which is 10 pounds of your first three shops over 30 pounds all the t's and c's are on their website as well abelandcole.co.uk we're very excited to have ben here today from sorted yeah hi so ben welcome we're so interested in what you've been doing um can you tell us a little bit about sorted and how that all started yeah um so in a sort of nutshell um it's based on a group of friends and we've known each other for 20 odd years went through school together went to different universities and it was while we were at university that we kind of came back around literally a pub table um back in our hometown and we realized amongst all the things that we were trying to do and fend for ourselves at university once you've flown the nest food was one of the things that most people around the table were struggling with. Mm-hmm. I was training to be a chef, so I was kind of a bit confused at why it was so difficult. For me, it was second nature, but that was the kind of when it the penny dropped for us that actually it wasn't just those around the table. Right. So many people struggle with deciding what to eat, how to cook it, and feeding themselves nutritionally, kind of cost-effectively, in, in a way that's inspiring rather than mm-hmm. just the same four things on repeat. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where the idea of Sorted started. It was a way of sharing recipes. And did you at the time want to start a business? No, not really. We we, we wrote a cookbook, self-published cookbook, but it was really a way of just piling our skill sets together. So mm-hmm. I was a chef. Wouldn't it be cool if I could graduate from university with a degree and a cookbook? Yeah. And Barry was doing kind of graphic design and photography. And he was like, wouldn't it be cool if I could have a collection of my photography? Yeah. Let's do it around food. Jamie was studying marketing in Bournemouth. And he was oh, like, perfect. Oh, perfect wonder if I could use this book as a real life <laughs> case study in my third or fourth year rather than a hypothetical one for an assignment. So it was kind of just a bit of fun, really. And then we published it and then we th- printed a whole bunch and we were like well how do you sell them we made some videos um and mike now on the team heads up all of the video production wow and stuff so it's a convenient set of skills between yeah. us mm. and it kind of just grew from there it was very much an accident at the start it was a way of selling a few cookbooks um and then the videos on youtube took off and i think it was that it was the friendship that was almost more important than the food. Mm. Yeah, so working together, the chemistry, having fun. Yeah, and there's so many people who still engage with what we do on a daily basis that I think they're accidental foodies now, but that's not necessarily why they enjoy Sorted. It's because they they feel part of that friendship. It started around a pub table, and we always like to think that they are the extra person. Pull up a chair and join us at the table. You see now five of us, James has joined us as well, on screen. And hopefully that that sixth chair is for you watching and you should feel part of that friendship. That's a great way of looking at it. Well, it's it's no accident that you have, what is it, 2.3 million (laughs) followers. I know a lot of people will be wondering, how do you get to that number what's the secret sauce i i <laughs> we'd like to know as well obviously any one answer I mean, and i would say yes we've been doing it for 10 years and it's been this wonderful which is a long time steady growth yeah we have never gone viral we've never had a viral video okay ah. it's just this wonderful constant um conversation that bubbles and along growth. and it does continue yeah. to grow but it does so in such a steady way that means that it 
never really tires. There's, it it always is made. We try not to think of the numbers because it's scary just how big and how global it is. But the thing that really matters to us is there are people now who talk to us online more frequently than their own decade-old friends. Oh, wow. Because they're talking to us on a regular basis on Twitter or Instagram. They're watching our videos twice a week. And that, if you think about friends that you've had for 10 years, how often do you catch up with them? Mm. It's probably not every day or twice a week. So we actually have this connection with these people around the world that is so strong. That's what's formed the growth. And it's word of mouth. It's not one thing that goes viral. It's just keeping at it and staying true to yourself and what you always set out to do which is to make food fun. And be passionate. I think passion sort of flows through everything. And once people sort of get a sniff of it, that you are passionate about what you do, it becomes real. And I guess that's one of the attractions as well. Yeah, and I think we've got an amazing team at the studio. And you can just sense the, the passion in the room in the sense that I don't think... I use the same example for anybody in emergency services or the hospitality industry. You wouldn't go into the job based on the hours you're pulling and the conditions you're working in and the, and the pay. Yeah. You do it because you love it. And yeah. that's the same thing, I think, in production. People, like, the hours and the time and the effort. and It's you, hard work. You guys know Instagram <laughs> yeah. and Twitter isn't 9 to 5. No. It's 24-7. It's of course. <laughs> so you have to love it. Yeah, you do. Um, we had that conversation yesterday, in fact, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, just going back, though, I mean, I think I can certainly relate in terms of um, sort of the weird online relationships you have because I think that's completely true. I mean, I do chat to people online uh, whether they're sort of, you know, peers or, you know, people just that always, you know, comment on my, my post. Yeah, they're way more than I do with my yeah. actual friends. Yeah. So it's a really close relationship in a yeah, way. Yeah, they're it? friendships. Yeah. I would definitely say that they're friendships. And I think the food community is very close knit and it's very friendly. It is. A lot of people talk about, especially on YouTube, a lot of trolling and a lot of negativity in the mm. comments section. Mm. We've just never seen that. And I don't know whether it is food. Maybe it is food that helps that. Um, but generally speaking, people are just super happy and proud to share their opinion on food. Yeah. And thank goodness so many people have so many different opinions because that's what makes rich conversation. Yeah. And we can all learn from each other. And we encourage that conversation. But there's not. we don't ever like to go out and preach, this is the way to do it. This is just a way to do it, inspired by these three things we've seen recently. But how do you want to do it? How do you do it? You tell us. Yeah, I think that's maybe um, in terms of sort of trolling and sort of negativity. Maybe you know, is is how you present things. If you're doing this is an idea, this is you know, what do you think? That's different to someone saying this is the way. Maybe yeah, you're you're giving people an option. I was going to ask you about um, what would you say is your approach to food and to cooking. Um, I think certainly the content we do. It's always entertainment first. And it right. is part of that friendship that okay. forms the backbone, probably mm-hmm. even before the food. The mm-hmm. food is like the catalyst that starts the conversation, but the friendship is the really the core. So entertainment comes first. Inspiration. We hope that you get inspired to try something new or push yourself out of your comfort zone to try something you might not have considered before. And then accidentally educational is kind of how we've more recently been sort of describing it. We don't want to preach. We don't want to tell you that this is the way to do it. Mm. I think that's a very traditional TV mentality. You think of a TV chef of a decade, two decades ago. It's one person standing there telling you, this is my way of doing it. It's the best way of doing it. There is no other way of doing it. Follow me. Yeah. Whereas we just invite a conversation. Yeah. That is so much better because I think nowadays it's the total opposite. There are so many preachers out there saying that this is the way to do it in terms of diets, in terms of uh, how to eat. We've got veganism. Uh, paleo, all of these things that are popping up now. So you're going completely the opposite way, which is inspiring, actually. Yeah. And And it's working, obviously. Well, we enjoy it. And I think for as long as we keep enjoying it, then everybody else who joins in 
whether they're watching, they're engaging, they're steering the content, um, they're actively engaged by joining part of the Sorted Club, then hopefully they're enjoying it too. Mm. That's the plan anyway. Amazing. So um, I was going to ask you, Ben, because you've been self-publishing your cookbooks haven't you uh Bipteen and i have obviously gone the, down this more traditional route we have yeah cookbooks came out mm. recently i've seen them both they are excellent yay <laughs> thank you very much um so i'm just super interested well i mean i sort of went... you've self self-published six of them yeah or... so we started self-publishing yeah. years and years ago um and then we teamed up with penguin um, right. and and went down the traditional mm. publishing route again many many years ago and it was only two three years ago that we came sort of back full circle and we're like we want to do a cookbook again um because for six or so years we've just been doing video content social media content and we had this great idea that we knew would work because at that time i think everybody was going down the health conscious the green and lean everything was Mm. very very restrictive and we were like we want people to fall in love with food and not feel that they're like handcuffed by food so we wanted to do the polar opposite of that and we wanted to do desserts in duvets those really indulgent that. sweet Ooh. things that you want to that just snuggle good. up in the sofa <laughs> and on a November evening and just treat yourself. Not every day, but a special occasion. And we had this idea and we spoke to publishers um, about it and they're like, that's a great idea. Mm. And hey, it's August now. We can have this ready for Christmas next year. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, that's how it works. That's, yeah. <laughs> I know that's how it works, but that's, yeah. just, like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So we took it to Kickstarter mm-hmm. and we asked our audience, we're like, we want to do this book. You guys will love it. In fact, the reason we want to do it is because they'd asked for it. Yeah. But it was like they wanted us to do more desserts um, and there weren't enough slots on the YouTube channel to, it would take us ages to do all the ones that were requested. Um, and the Kickstarter sold out twice in four days. And we were like, that's, that's how amazing. it's done. Set to work. We're like, damn, we've actually got to make yeah. this thing now. Shot it. All put on a bit of weight while we shot 60 desserts <laughs> recipes oh in the gosh. course of about six weeks. Barry did all the design, the photography. It was, again, all done in-house. And we got it printed and shipped out to everyone who had pre-ordered a copy in time for that Christmas. So in three months, yeah, a year brilliant. ahead of when the traditional publishing could have happened. So what's your view? Do you think that self-publishing is, on the whole, better or is it just depends on the circumstances? It's completely different. You do have control. And I think if you work with the right publisher, then actually you, the whole point is it's a partnership and you work and, you, you know, both bring strengths and advantages to the table. It's just a lot quicker doing it this way. However, we're not in bookstores. But for us, that wasn't the point. For us, we were creating something for our audience and for our community yeah. who had already asked for it. So it's a very different sort of approach. For us, YouTube was where we had this um, amazing conversation and those who want to get the book can come on down but it's it wasn't about putting on a bookshelf and hoping that people pass it and go that's a good idea yeah so it's a very different approach would you do would you do a traditional book down the line now we'd certainly look at it but i think right now part of the um the sorted club involves the book element so we've published three cookbooks every year for the last two years oh so desserts and duvets was one and we've done six more since and we designed them all in-house we developed them in-house some of the recipes are from our audience um so we did a book called bucket list and it was 50 recipes you should try before you die and they were from top chefs restaurateurs members of our community family members of ours members of the team who you wouldn't normally see on camera everybody got a chance to contribute to these 50 amazing recipes and the stories behind them were as strong as the recipes oh that's a really nice way of doing it and it's it means we've got control and we can create (laughs) something Like that a lot. Um, so where do you see, I mean, I mean, I just love um, the whole ethos and just, you know, creating a community, a food community and involving, you know, your, your audience and community in everything. I think that's, that's amazing. Where do you see everything going? 
I don't think it's going to slow down. I mean, you guys probably see this as well. I don't think we've been in a time where people care more about food than ever before. They care about where it comes from. They care about how it's produced. They care about how they're going to cook it. They want to be inspired by global flavors they haven't experienced before. Like people are more interested in food than ever before. So we're in a very great position, all three of us around the table here, that we have the chance to inspire the next generation of people to continue to care. Um, so it's not going to slow down. I think what will change is how people access food. And we've seen that change, already, especially in cities. Yeah. You know, the, the rise of how easy it is to get food delivered. Oh, gosh. Yes. Raw food and ingredients to cook and or pre-made yeah. food. And I think it's beginning to form a bigger divide yeah. of the people who cook nothing at all and people who cook everything. And I think that middle ground is the worrying bit because it's people are going one of two ways and it would be really cool if we can just try and push the counter slightly more on the side of scratch cooking which is ultimately what we believe in if you if you scratch cook then you're going to care more about your food you're going to buy better ingredients and when i say better i don't just mean more expensive but i mean just more diverse yeah better better sauce sauce. and i think you just understand the ingredients more don't you and therefore you've just got a closer relationship with ingredients if that makes sense yeah because that that middle that middle bit of where your food comes from has totally been sort of cut out of uh, sourcing our food in terms of planting it and then going and picking our food. That's completely disappeared from our society. And it is a total disconnect from where our food comes from. And that sort of needs to come back. And on that note, I was going to ask you about sustainability, because that is the buzzword of now. And I think that a lot of people misuse that. And I don't think a lot of people actually know what it really means. So what does sustainability mean to you? That is a big question because <laughs> I, I would I would say, depending on who you're talking to, I think mm. it means different things. Um, ultimately, we are all constantly told, and I think it's scaremongering. I'm, I almost bite my lip before I repeat it because even by repeating it, you end up in this scaremongering stage. But yeah. by 2050, the population is going to be crazy and we're not going to be able to feed the world, yeah. the way we currently eat. So things have to change. That's the scaremonger. So then what do we do one step at a time? Because I can't change the world. You can't change the world. No one person can change the world. But what are the little things that we can each individually do? Exactly. And make the small decisions that collectively start to make change. And I think the penny will drop very, very quickly about, f- if it hasn't already, for the majority of the importance of food waste. Yeah, um, Absolutely. And the knock-on effect of that. And I think that is one thing we can all do to help the sustainability. Because it's all very well saying we grow things sustainably, we distribute them sustainably, we shop locally and seasonally. But if you're still wasting something like yeah. 40% of the food we buy, exactly. which is one of the stats, it's just crazy. Yeah. So what can we do to try and shift that perception, I think, is probably where it's going to go. And I think there's, in terms of food waste, there's, there's still quite a nervousness. I think sort of an, on a basic level, people really don't want to be wasting food. But then I think there's... People are nervous, aren't they, about what they can eat, what they can't eat? Yeah, definitely. And also, like, one of the things that we've spoken about here as well with um, a chef that we had on, people don't taste things before they throw them away. I mean, there are so many things that you need to Mm. taste and you need to smell them. If it smells off, it's probably off. If if it doesn't smell off, you can probably get a few more days out of it. Um, Which is probably a lack of, and this sounds patronising, but a lack of education. We weren't taught... Mm. Um, what these kind of these differences are I mean I, I cheese yeah. cheese goes mouldy yeah. generally speaking if you cut that bit off it's okay and yeah. it, generally speaking it's not going to harm you however a high risk protein could cause you 
problems and yeah. dairy more so. So there are, it's very difficult, but it's one of those things you just have to use your senses. Yeah. Does but it look th- bad? Does it smell bad? Exactly. Does it taste bad? But I think that's where the nervousness comes. And because we're so, everyone's so used to just saying, okay, that's the sell by date goodbye if it's if it's over Um, you've worked in you've kind of worked in the food industry when it comes to packaging and things like that haven't you yes i have i used to work in well in salad which is one of the worst (laughs) things for waste um and so that was always you know a big sort of uh, part of my job or well you know a part of the job was sort of trying to educate people about uh, about it uh, and other ways that you can use salad which you know for example there are so many ways you can incorporate it into pretty much anything um and cook with it and things but yeah there's just a level of and is is there a buffer at like retailing distribution in terms of the the difference between best for and, and, and used by. But in terms of, for example, bag salad or veg or eggs or whatever. like really varies. Um, so, for example, salad, because it is a very, very delicate product, um, there's less. But you can immediately smell if salad's gone oh, off. Oh, yeah. If it so, smells like cut grass. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So <laughs> it's pretty obvious and, you, you know, you can see. But other things, you know, packaged goods, they, they just arbitrarily sort of put a, a best before because they don't want them to last too long. If, if you know what I mean, because some things can actually last indefinitely. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah, and there that is to is some crazy, extent, though. if it lasts too long, then as a manufacturer, they can't sell you another one. That's what I mean. So there is a little yeah. bit of an incentive there for, oh, for, sure. yeah, for things to do that. Absolutely. And I think to some extent that's where even, you know, we're not particularly good at as a nation being inspired to try new dishes and I think I read something that's like there's X number I think six recipes that people can just rely on time and time again and occasionally they'll branch out and try something new but the problem with branching out and trying something new is if that recipe that you've suddenly looked up online or in a cookbook or in a magazine or in the paper on the way home if that has six ten twelve ingredients in it and if four of them are half of this and half of that, then at the end of the week, you're left with so many half of this and half of that. Yeah, exactly. That's where some of the yeah. problem is. So even though it's positive to try and try new stuff, you've got to be able to do it in a way that you can plan for using up what's left as well. And that's the bit that's quite difficult sometimes. And I think, especially if you haven't got the confidence and the knowledge, it's very, very hard because you're like, okay, um, you know, I've bought the Harissa, I'm just making this up now. Yep. But, you know, if you don't know, it's going to be a little bit harder, isn't it? Yeah. And people have jars and jars and jars of sauces and paste and things in their fridge. I actually ended up having jars and jars and yeah. jars of lots of different things just yeah. before Christmas. And um, there's a lot of focus on food waste. There's a great app uh, called Olio. Have you heard of this? Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where you can share your sort of store cupboard leftovers with other people. And that's what I did. I shared it with uh, friends, like all my sort of things that I knew I wasn't going to use. I'd used it for a recipe in terms of recipe testing. Um, we, I think it's not shameful to accept sort of, I think people think it's shameful quite to accept re- things. Quite the reverse. I think yeah. it's, it's become cool. So the... the uh, Olio, Olio. Yeah, I remember yeah. meeting the founders years and years and years ago, and I remember and it's almost like turning up my nose to it, going, "People aren't prepared to do that." Yeah, That's I not, thought that five, as well. six years ago. It's like people aren't prepared yeah. to take yeah. other people's leftovers. Yeah, I w- now it's cool. It's different because you're saving on food waste. And the same with thrifty yeah. shopping yeah. and charity shops becomes kind of cool rather than single-use clothing kind of disposable That's clothing. Fantastic. I think it's a generational yeah. thing, though. I think certain generations Quite think possibly. it's like, mm, but I it's think a bit fair weird play to have people's leftovers. People like Olio for sticking yeah. with it and having the faith that it, it needs to be done and yeah. if we're going to keep pushing it. Yeah, because definitely. it has come to the point, you're absolutely right now, where that's celebrated rather than yeah. rather than sort of 
actually one of their things <laughs> one, of, one of their things was a lot of people share food uh, because of loneliness mm-hmm. in big cities and it's to engage and be in touch with other people well i mean that genuinely that's kind of what brought us all around the table together at the first place was food was an excuse to hang out with your mates yes and we yeah. did a whole series for for many years called big night in and it was like big sharing platters enough to serve four that you plonk in the middle of the table flavors from all around the world all sorts of different dishes um sometimes we pair it with a drink or a side or whatever but loads of food in the middle and then we just sit around and have a big night in and it was it was instead of going out and right. sitting around the pub table it was bring it in which saves money also you're in the comfort of your own home but also you can try new stuff and conversation flows and that's when you get to know friends properly i think yeah. which i think even like the word dinner party it's kind of fallen out of fashion a bit. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't has. use that phrase, but the concept is still as strong as ever. Yeah, I don't think they happen as often as they used to. A lot of people go out and eat nowadays. My friends benefit from me, especially <laughs> my re- recipe testing. But but so I sort of typically just cook loads of food and then take it all back to my hometown. And then all my girlfriends come round and yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. Not in my house, in my friend's house. Yeah, exactly. washing up. But it's it, it, like, what are you bringing today? <laughs> Well, that's, that's right. Good. We are being super well fed at the moment in the studio because we're we're testing a whole bunch of recipes for um, uh, this thing called packs we've just launched, which is kind yes, of tell us about trying that. to tie that. together three recipes that you can do in a week because we know that people don't eat in every day. But if you could plan for th- at least three meals a week, and the the principle is you go out and buy a store cupboard of basic staple ingredients, and they're gonna stay there for like 12 14 weeks and then each week you just buy a few fresh items but across these three recipes which are cleverly and smartly kind of designed so that if you use half a cabbage on day one you'll use the other half in day three but they're also from different corners of the world they're completely different dishes that you feel excited to try but at the end of the week all the fresh stuff you bought on day one has been used up now, we've That's been testing clever. it for two people and four people, which means in the studio, we end up with like six portions of each of these every time we test. <laughs> now, there's 15 of us in the studio, so we get through it all. But we yeah. have been absolutely feasting recently, trying to make sure these recipes are tried and tested and work ultimately so there isn't any food waste because we know it's so important and that's what people care about yeah and how are you getting this to people what's the process how's how's it working um so that is part of our club membership so it's on an app um so uh essentially everything we do on youtube and social media is free always has been always will be but for those who want to go that extra mile and kind of have a, a helping hand in their in their lives when it comes to food we kind of say we want to be your best friend in food mm-hmm. and we've got a number of things that products and, and tools that enable you to live your best foodie life and one of those is a weekly podcast so you can just keep up to date with mm. trending topics and that's part of the club membership uh we've also got the book app so you can get digital access to all seven of the cookbooks right. we've released nice inspiration for weekend cooking and special occasions you've got the packs which is like midweek meals takes all the decision out of having to worry about doing stuff and saving waste and then on the occasions you do eat out in the cities that we've tackled so far there's about a dozen of them we've got the sorted eat app and that recommends half a dozen maybe 10 places that are well worth checking out and you will not be disappointed with a meal there because i think if you go to I don't know, Google or Time Out or something like that, and you just search oh, for restaurants, so much suddenly you've got 250 to choose from and yeah. it hasn't narrowed down your choice. Yeah. No. So we're like, like, trust us, we've worked yeah. with these independent restaurants, we've either filmed there before or their friends or chef friends we know or whatever. Mm. These six places in Edinburgh, in Bristol, in London, 
in Tokyo, places we've been and filmed, these are the ones to go and try. I um, need to so you can always rely. Oh, that's They're the ones that kind of work. So whether you're eating out, eating in midweek, inspired to cook something different on the weekend or just want to keep up to date with food trending topics we hope that we've kind of got you covered you've covered it all and that's yeah. all part of <laughs> very, we're very so, impressive sorted. we're so <laughs> lucky that we can do that because we've been able to build a team that, that enables us to do that and and we're building it for as i say an audience around the world who want it and it, we're, we're very lucky to be in this position but we just want to be everyone's best friend in food so what about your friends then are they now better chefs than they used to be yes i mean the funny thing is we on screen, we kind of, it's James and I, who are trained chefs, and then there's Barry, Jamie, and Mike, who aren't. We call them normal because chefs do think in funny ways. So we've got the chefs and the normals, and it's a nice on screen. It's a nice, everything we do is either a competition or there's a jeopardy element. And it's, it's can the normal beat the chef in a blind taste test, or it's chefs versus normals, or reviewing kitchen gadgets, something that a, a normal person would think is a really cool kitchen gadget. The chef's going, I don't see the point in it, or vice versa. So we have that nice chemistry. We call them normals. They're far after ten years of cooking. That's they're pretty good. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, they certainly know good. what's good and bad. Whether they put it into practice under pressure on camera is another matter. But they're definitely more than your average foodie now. Yeah. Speaking of food and business, uh, let's talk about success. Okay. In your opinion, what is the key to success, or what what would make you feel successful? Do you feel successful now? Well, I mean, what's I don't next? know if it's... That's many questions. That's many questions. I'll start with the first. What is success? I don't know. I think it's different things to different people. For us, when we started this years and years and years ago, I remember Barry saying, all we want to do is just help somebody with food in some part of their life at some point. Wouldn't it be cool if we could do that? And selfishly, I trained to be a chef and the dream 10, 12 years ago was to own a gastro pub in a really cool setting where you could design menus with a small team of chefs and feed 50, 60 people a day on your food and just feed them and make people happy. And it's weird to think that 10 years on, Barry's kind of right. We are in small ways changing people's foodie lives and we're not now writing menus for 50, 60 people a day. We're reaching quarter of a million people a day on YouTube with these recipes and food inspiration. So we just like to think that success is if somebody has had something they wouldn't otherwise have had or has made a more positive decision around food, whether it's save them the hassle midweek or they've been inspired to try something Japanese, which would normally have been out of their comfort zone or whatever it is. If we can just make people think more positively about food, then for us, that is an element of success. And we just want to keep making more change for more people, Yeah, I think. That makes me happy as well. I yes, mean, it, that I mean, makes me very happy. Yeah, I mean, if I, if people are genuinely cooking, enjoying my food, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's yeah. the best feeling yeah. ever. And it's that warm, fuzzy feeling when someone sends you a photo of them having created one of your yes, recipes. amazing. Definitely. And that's self-indulgent because, oh, wow, look at my recipe. But the, the brilliant bit is when they tell you the story behind it. Yeah. It's like we've just I've just cooked this for my in-laws when I met them for the first time. Or I've just and it's, it's the stories behind the cooking. Yeah. There's so much and the friendships and the family values is so much more important than the food itself. And that's we always keep coming back to it. And it feels like we're a bit of a stuck record. But we always come back to that pub table, yeah. friendship values and how can people be better friends with more people through food. Yeah. But isn't it a privilege that you can have, you know, a part in someone's kitchen and life? Food, but food yeah. is food is stories. Food is community. Food is enjoyed in in groups. It's part of our community. Absolutely. And there are 
comes the cooking and we need to do more of it more 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 <laughs> we're doing quite a lot <laughs> food and music i stand yeah. by as the the two things that you can travel the world and you can communicate with someone. whether you speak their language or not you can spend time cooking and eating together yeah absolutely. and playing music together and a number of times i've traveled and i've basically done my i'm too nosy here but i've just had an amazing food and if i just wander over and peer into the kitchen before you know you're invited in and mm this chef in a country that is very exactly. different to the way that you cook at home the, the chef may or may not speak your language but you can watch and you can learn and before now you get offered a knife and you're there and suddenly you're helping and that's the best thing is food connects people yeah if absolutely. you let it yeah if you let it absolutely i agree i've been in many kitchens where nobody speaks my language or english and it definitely definitely creates that community feeling Advice. What kind of advice would you give somebody that's just starting out in the food industry? I would say all you, you have to be true to yourself and you have to decide what you... You can't be everything for everyone, um, but you have to try and be true to yourself. And that's allowed to change. It doesn't mean that you set out on one journey at one point and then you never look back because the rest of the world changes around you. So you've got to keep adapting, but you've got to be true to yourself. And the moment I think you start chasing um, and I talk about the online world, the clickbait or the whatever else, you yes. kind of lose your own integrity. And we've done it before with, you know, um, you see a, a rise in a particular style of video or a bit of trend towards um, unicorn, multicolored rainbow things. And <laughs> we've done a couple of those in our time. Yeah. And we look back and think, why did we do that? Because that's yeah. not who and what we are. We'd much rather just do what we do and if people find us and love us they'll stick with us and that's what matters so I, I would say stick to what you believe in rather than chasing the clickbait as I say in 10 years we've never gone viral so don't chase a viral video yeah just be steady and be sticky and make sure that when people find you it's useful it's entertaining it's inspiring and they'll stick with you what's the best piece of advice you've received is there anything in particular that sticks out in your I think mind sleep on it which is not too many knee-jerk reactions, which I think in the world of social media, everything is so immediate. Yes. And everyone jumps on the bandwagon before they've really thought it through. And I think so many times, you've even just on Twitter, you draft a response to something and you think, oh, no. Mm. Is that just lighting the touch paper that's unnecessary? I'll sleep on it. And in the morning, you go, no, that was that's, that's what, pff, off it goes. And yeah. you can have that conversation. And it's not an argument. It's just a maybe devil's advocate or the other side of the debate. Um, at the same time, you might look and go, whoa, I was in a bad mood. Why would I, well, yeah. I don't need to start that fire. Let's not bother. And I think we do that with content ideas. We do that with, you know, we've got a huge list of things we'd love to create. Yeah. And we just put them in there and we just let them foster and we'll come back to them. If it's still a good idea in a week, two weeks time, we'll do it. If we were like, what were we on that day? Scrub it out. So I'd say sleep on it. Don't knee jerk reaction, which, and we live in the world of social media and everything is, instant instant <laughs> and i think that can be sometimes especially with things that are so divisive around veganism around certain diets certain trends yeah. certain fads that come and go somebody's just launched a new cookbook that is a particular thing that is might be anecdotal and might have worked for them but it's not based on science and it shouldn't be the bible yeah. everyone should work out what their own thing is and everyone yeah. should be allowed space to do that we love to provide all the information so that you can work out your own informed decision, but we're not here to tell you what to do. And then, yeah, after that, just sleep on it. A question about trends for this year. Okay. What's your predictions? Um, I think there's a few specific cuisines that will probably continue to grow. And I think we're probably already starting to see them in London, but I think they'll start, and I'm, I'm talking probably UK trends, but they'll start to reach outside of the bubble we live in. I, f I forget sometimes how lucky we are to yeah. live in this bubble of London where 
things tend to start and and take off but um i think we'll see a lot more singaporean food sri lankan food i think um south african food mm. i think those kind of flavors yeah. are going to come in and become bigger as cuisines but i think the other thing is just people are asking more questions than ever before i think there was a period of time where we stopped asking questions and we just ate and yeah. we forgot where our food comes from and i think people are asking more and more questions now that transparency is key and sometimes the big brands and the big corporations will struggle because they're not trusted. Instead, it's the small artisanal startups. Yes. It's the people that you know, the people behind the brand. Exactly. That you trust more. Yeah. And they are doing really, really well Amazing in London things. and everywhere. And, you know, I think a lot of the bigger chain restaurants and um, they're, they're sort of fizzling out because they can't keep up with demand and people want to know where their stuff comes Absolutely. from. Absolutely, More connection than ever before. Exactly. So, Ben, um, thank you so much no, for chatting today. Any excuse today. to talk food. Oh, no, let's, let's do it again. Um, but where's the best place for people to find all your amazing recipes and everything else you're doing? Uh, we've tried to keep it simple. So it's Sorted Food, S-O-R-T-E-D Food on all social. So YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's always the same, Sorted Food. Uh, or you can find everything we do around the club at sorted.com club and in fact we can even offer everyone listening a whole free month of the membership oh if, they, if you go to the website and yep. type in focaccia love it if you type in focaccia then everyone listening can have a free month um and get to grips with packs and eat and books and podcasts and all sorts that thank is you ben. so so generous thank you no pleasure thanks thank you so much for listening to what the focaccia we will be back next week with a new episode we hope you enjoyed it and please feel free to give us a five-star rating and tell your friends all about it plus you can follow us on our socials which are Bettina's kitchen and rebel recipes thanks again to april and cole for making this all possible they're the organic home delivery grocer who deliver fresh and seasoned organic food straight to the door and they've kindly offered our listeners a brilliant offer of £10 off your first three shops over £30 when you enter the code PODCAST at the checkout check their website ableandcole.co.uk for more details where you'll also find all the T's and C's thanks for listening and we'll be back soon bye